Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. We're glad that you joined us. The number to get on the air today is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Taking your calls questions. Uh, We don't have a guest today, and so any topic is open for discussion. Uh, We have been, uh, those of you that have been tuning in the last three weeks, I have had special guests on uh, each of the two days I host, Wednesday and Thursday, um, black pastor friends of mine, and we just talked and allowed the Holy Spirit to lead our conversation, and um, we had a few prepared questions, but really what we wanted to do is to listen and to, to hear and to dialogue, and we did. And uh, those those messages or those programs are available on our church app as well as our podcast. I think we have them in three places. Number one, you can get them on our church app. Just go to your app store, search Ed Taylor, put my name in there, and the app will pop up, and they're right there on the homepage. Or you can listen to them on my personal podcast. Uh, that's Lead, the number two, Serve, all one word, Lead to Serve. Once again, anywhere you get a podcast, you can put that in. Put my name in with the word Lead should pop up. Or you can download it from our Calvary Live podcast, uh, which is available wherever you get your podcast. So we we really want to step into, and, and as the church um, leads, uh, as the church moves forward, we want to lead in this discussion. We don't want to be on our heels, uh, at least our church. We want to lead in it. We want to foster the ministry of reconciliation like the Bible declares. We want to learn how to love people in unique situations. We want to learn how to uh, avoid the pol- politics of it all. Uh, that's a that's a very valuable one. I'm sure some of you might disagree with that, but make your biblical case. Um, I don't want to hear a case from somebody you heard or some YouTube video you watched. I, I would love to hear your biblical case, though, of, uh, and then you know give me some biblical examples, um, not not necessarily from the theocracy of God either, uh, because we certainly don't live in a theocracy. But I'd love to hear it. Maybe that's a conversation today. Uh, perhaps COVID and the quarantine is just bugging you, and again, wanting to lead the conversation in this and um, and not get behind the narratives that other people want us to view it through but we've got our narrative church our narrative is the bible Uh, for those of you that wear glasses you understand this when you put your glasses on you see everything through the lens that is in your glasses that's why you don't wear someone else's lens the prescription is for you and and our lens our biblical worldview is developed for us by the scriptures by god and it predates any country it predates any government it predates any political affiliation. 
Uh, it predates even the divisions that exist between races and ethnicities and and rich and poor and all of that. And and so that's part that's definitely open for discussion today. You could also ask any question you want. Uh, you can talk about whatever is on your mind. Two ways you can do that. Call me, 303-690-3000, or text me at 720-336-0897. That's the open text line, and it is also our prayer line. Uh, so if you have a prayer request, you can text us anytime. Uh, and <clears throat> send it our way. 303-690-3000. We have someone on the line already, so let's go to right to Fort Collins, Colorado. Kelly is on the line. Kelly, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, Pastor Ed. I hope today finds you well. And yeah, I wanted to you. tell you that it keeps getting impressed on my heart that Second Corinthians chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 are the answer to the COVID problem, especially now that I hear they're having a new breakout in China. Okay, well let me let me uh, read that scripture for everyone. In Second Chronicles chapter seven verse thirteen, it says, uh, "God speaking, He says, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locust to devour the land, or send pestilence among our people, my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven." I will forgive their sin, and I will heal, heal their land. Is that the scripture you were thinking of, Kelly? That's the one. And, you know, this land is not only the United States, but the whole world. I agree. And um, the... The term pestilence can also refer to a virus among the people. And so I think it's time the church stood up and, and did this. Well, thank you for calling, Kelly. I think that that scripture is very appropriate right now. And, and very accurate uh, for the condition of any country, any land, as it was given directly to the children of Israel uh, in Chronicles, and now by application to the people of God that would cry out and humble themselves. So thank you very much. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Robert's calling from Arkansas. Robert, welcome to the program. How you doing, Pastor X? I'm doing well, Robert. Um, you know, so you and I know each other a little bit from Twitter and uh, emailing. Um, I sit here and I, I try to stay in prayer. I try to keep myself focused. I, I don't even want to be angry and not sin, let alone be, you know, 
with all the stuff that I'm seeing going on and people terrorizing just people who are trying to mind their own business by disturbing them or setting their stuff on fire. And, you know, my question really is, you know, I know as Christians, you know, we're called to judge the church. We're not called to judge the world from what I understand. Um, and I, I try hard not to live in judgment of anybody or criticize anybody because I know what Christ has done for me. And I know that he could do the same thing for everybody. But I find myself struggling a bit because I wonder as Christians, and I think how this nation was founded, and there was enough Christians involved in our founding fathers and what took place, and I honestly believe that God ordained it and willed it. Um, I see this stuff, and I, I think, are we not supposed to be speaking up about this? Are we not supposed to be saying, you know what, this is wrong, man, and we need, and are we not supposed to be taking a stand for the people that are honestly just trying to live their life and go to work and raise their kids? And yeah, That's a great question, and I think— I think part of the way that we would answer that question is, uh, given given the the statement that you made that the nation that we live in is God ordained and He willed it, we have to ask the question: For what purpose? What purpose would God allow the United States of America to come into being? Because if we can answer the question of what purpose, then that'll answer all the following questions. And I have to say today, most of the time, and I'm not, I'm definitely not speaking for you because I haven't given you a chance to answer it yet, um, but most of the time, there is an ulterior motive assigned to the creation of the United States of America that I believe isn't truly why God allowed it and why God created this nation. It, you know, things, let me give you substitute motives. Um, one, many people think that, um, God allowed the um, United States of America to be created for the freedom of a religious expression. Um, some people believe he created it so that uh, there could be um, economic wealth. Some people believe he created it so that uh, Christians could have a place to worship freely. Uh, some people believe he created it so that the, through the United States of America, there could be um, you know, um, the American dream. Um, financial prosperity, and on and on that list goes. But I believe that God or allowed the United States or even willed it uh, to be created for the purpose of bringing people into a saving, rela- save, uh, a saving relationship with Him. And if we if we put that lens on first, then that'll answer every other question. Uh, do we do we stand up for what is right? The answer is yes. Do we? Uh, and and let me go back for a second just to clarify, too. I think that we need to understand that making judgments is not forbidden in the Bible. Uh, we make judgments every day, all day. And what I mean by that is we see something, we process it, and we come to a conclusion. Uh, unfortunately, many times, Robert, we, come to, we jump to conclusions and we're wrong uh, in our judgments, but we make them every day. What's forbidden in the Bible for us is to make hypercritical, hypocritical judgments. You know, Jesus, when he came into a culture, he didn't, he, obviously we know this, but just it's, it, it bears repeating. When Jesus entered into the world, the United States of America did not exist. Uh, he, Jesus entered into the world under the oppressive rule of the Roman government that had leadership, rulership over the world at that time. 
And if you carefully follow the life of Jesus, he brought disruption into the current religious structures and never really dealt with the political structures of the day. Matter of fact, when he was challenged on some of the political structures, like taxes, you remember what he did. We have one of the most memorable stories in the Bible when he instructed Peter to go get a fish, and out of the fish's mouth came the money to pay taxes. And it was like he said, look, the government has its role. Uh, let Pay your taxes. But I have my role, and I'm going to give to God what is due to God. And, and I think that as we're processing what we're seeing here, we certainly want to stand up for those that don't have a voice. We want to stand up for, you know, obviously, according to the scriptures, anarchy is not what holds society together. God established society. He established order. God loves decently things to be done decently and in order. And so we can we can make those decisions. We can make those observations. We can make those judgments. But at the end of the day, or at the end of the judgment, or the end of the conclusion, we have to ask ourselves, did we lead somebody? Is our actions lead someone? Did our judgments lead someone to the throne room of grace, or did they not? Because if they didn't, then what are we doing it for? And and yeah, you want to you know you want to stand up for the those that have no voice. You want to stand in, but that's the whole thing. That's our biggest problem, I think. Our biggest problem living on between two worlds, you know, living on earth, but but expecting to be in heaven soon enough, is that injustice surrounds us. It surrounds us on a macro level, and it surrounds us on a micro level. And then I'd have one more thought, and I'll give you your uh, response. But my other thought is is that if we if we are only interested in the United States of America, we have a very myopic view of the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like the early church did. So it wouldn't be like unusual. Uh, the early church had a very myopic view of the gospel. They felt like it was only for Jerusalem, and they didn't leave Jerusalem, even though they were told to leave Jerusalem by Jesus himself. And what did it take to shake up the early believers to leave Jerusalem and take the gospel away from the Jewish people and to the Gentiles? Persecution. Persecution stirred the church to do something that they were unwilling to do. And I wonder what God is doing in our country. I wonder what God is doing. But I know, you know, from a political standpoint, from a geopolitical standpoint, I wonder. However, my, my, the more important question is, what is God doing in me so that I might be a voice for the gospel and reach as many people as I possibly can until I die? So with that in mind, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, yeah, as usual, man. Um, you know, yeah, I agree with every single thing you said. I believe personally, me, that... God ordained America so that, you know, um, Christians could have a place to worship freely, and just as importantly, so that America could play the part in the, you know, bringing Israel, play their part in God bringing Israel back to the land and helping them through, because, you know, we all know that, we all know that Israel is the, the central point. We all know that the Ezekiel 38 war is like right around the corner and that America is 
unable to be involved in that. I think we can all see that what's going on in our own country is probably going to be the cause of that. I don't know. Um, I think that uh, let's pause there for a second because I think you're the, the observation of a nation imploding upon itself is exactly what happened to Rome. When you look at what happened to Rome and the slide, the quick, rapid slide of their demise, and you correlate it with what you see in the United States of America today, uh, you're going to see many, many, many similarities. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think, that, know, I, I think that these are good questions, Robert. I think many people are thinking them and asking about them. And, and if, if we don't get this answer straight... And I'm not even suggesting I have the perfect answer or the most accurate answer. It's just where I am right now as I'm processing things and seeing my responsibility as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a teacher, uh, as someone that uh, will say something. And and because many people listen, I better reflect the love and mercy and grace of God. Like that's where I'm at right now. Like because if I if I'm only concerned with with the borders around me then I need to remember that God sent Jesus Christ to die for the world, and the world has even bigger problems, um, like a third of the world uh, aligning with Islam and have no real connection to the one true living God. Um, The Gospels for them, too, and the Gospels for the Buddhist, and the Gospels for the Hindu, and and we, we have a great opportunity to rise above these things. And, you know, the fact that that you have people that are wanting to use human power to take human power, like Antifa, like uh, those within the BLM political movement. Uh, they're using, uh, I don't, I, as, as believers, we shouldn't be surprised by this. The Bible says that in the last days, the hearts of many will grow cold. And although we often assign that to unbelievers, there's a contextual piece there that the Bible is speaking about believers. And looking at what's happening on social media, I mean, I'm only on Twitter for the most part. I'm not on Facebook anymore, but reading Twitter, it's some of the most caustic, nasty, cold-hearted things being said and written by people that say they're Christians. We're, we're watching prophecy be fulfilled right in front of our eyes. Yes, sir. You're 100% right. You know, I, I follow you on Twitter. Um, you used to follow me on my old account. Um, just I was um, Robert Neal, seven seven seven. Now I'm the capturing of God's artistry. I follow you from there. Okay. Um, yes. I look, man. But I told you before, you were one of the pastors that was instrumental in Christ in in God bringing me to Christ, and one of the very first, the very first Calvary Chapel I ever stepped in was Calvary Downey because I lived on Foster and Woodruff, and I you were talking about <laughs> that on Twitter. So, yes. There's a lot of parallels Fantastic. here, man. I love you. You're full of the wisdom of God. All glory to God, of course. And I know you would tell me the same exact thing. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing, man, because you, you, God uses you to shape me every day. Because when I hear you on Twitter talking about, you know, we need to, we need to check ourselves in our own hearts and our own motives when we're trying to be critical about that, you know, that you give me things to repent of and therefore you give me things that that the Holy Spirit uses to conform me more into the image of Christ. And I appreciate the part you play in that. I love you, man. I pray for you all the time, your family, your ministry, every pastor there, your church. Beautiful Thank stuff you. you guys are doing. 
And thank you I very much, brother. Now so you can get on to the next caller, Pastor. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. David in Centennial. Welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor. Um, I was uh, reading Daniel recently, and for the prophecy that speaks of, um, not sure if it's goat or ram, with Uh two horns, and then it mentions a king of Media and a king of Persia. Um, I'm I'm curious about the king of Media. What is your curiosity? Well, was that a country, or what what could would they be referring to? I mean, they didn't have media like we have back then, so... Yeah, it would be a country. Um, You may hear them more often described as their unified country, referred to as the Medes and the Persians, uh, because they they joined and aligned themselves as two smaller uh, countries or... Uh, together to obviously fulfill prophecy, but also to rule the world. They were a successive kingdom uh, that comes from the the dreams that were given to Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, so so, so Mede, ne- Medes were a was a was a country. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was Babylon, right? Was that after the? That's correct. Was that after uh, that Persia or Babylon or was first. Um, Babylon, first, Babylon was first, and then came uh, the Medes and Persians, then came the Greeks, and then came the Romans. All right, and the Medes were just a subgroup of people in that area? Uh, let me, uh, that is a question that's not in my mind, so let me check for you real quick here. And this is where a good Bible dictionary always comes in, uh, and is very helpful. Um Let's see. The Medes were an ancient Iranian people who spoke the Median language and inhabited the area known as Media between Western and Northern Iran, late 9th to early 7th century BC. Okay. M-E-D-E-S is how you would look it up. Perfect. Uh, let me let me read you one more thing. The history of the rise and fall of the Medes and the Persian forms an important background for over 200 years of biblical history. Um, Located on the south of the Caspian Sea, the east of the Zagros Mountains, its original domain stretched for 600 miles north uh, and south 250 miles east. Uh, You go through, though under, um, I forgot about Assyria, though under the domination of Assyria, uh, in the seventh century, the rise to power was contemporary with the decline of the Assyrian um, Empire. The Medes captured Asher, the capital of Assyria, uh, they, in alliance with the Chaldeans. They captured Nineveh, resulting in the downfall of the Assyrian Empire. Uh, and in the years which followed, they were an important ally of Babylon, uh, formed various alliances. Toward the end of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, the Persians began to become a powerful force. Under Cyrus, Media was conquered in 549 BC and combined with the Empire of the Persians to form Medo-Persia. All right. Um, for the specific prophecy we're kind of referencing, um, do you feel that it's still future prophecy or fulfilled? I do, but only the portion that refers to uh, later on the second dream uh, that was was given 
uh, and that refers to the revived Roman Empire. I don't think we're going to see uh, a repetition of all the previous former world-dominating empires, but we will see, and the reason being is we will see it because um, in the book of Revelation, as you see the Great Tribulation fall and you see the Antichrist and his rule, you have a revived Roman Empire uh, that will be, and how that will look, we don't know exactly how it's all going to sort out, but I do believe that a portion of that prophecy is referring to the end, end of times where there'll be a revived Roman Empire. All right. Yes, sir. Um, thank you for if you, clarifying some I'm of that. I'm sorry, David. If, if you want to email me, I'll send you a link to this article. It's a pretty thorough article that will help you exactly with your question, much more than we do on the radio. And from a trusted source, his name is John Walverd, and he was... Um, a longtime president of Dallas Theological Seminary, and he is one of the foremost. He's in heaven now, but he's one of the foremost experts on Bible prophecy. Good stuff. Any read anything by him? All right. Yes, sir. Uh, what's the email again? Uh, send it to ed at edtaylor.org. dot org. Ed at edtaylor.org. Yes, sir. Thank yes. you very much. Okay. Thanks, David. Bye bye. 303-690-3000, all our lines are open, and uh, we, do not, we do not have a guest today, although I did have one lined up, uh, my friend Ray Dash from, uh, from the Rock Church in um, New Jersey, in Newark, uh, but he had a, an appointment today that he was unable to keep, and because this is a live broadcast, he has to be on live, um, and we, aren't, we might, if we need to, pre-record it, but I, I think we'll be able to do it again because we're not going to stop talking uh, about the realities of the world in which we in, we're in. And the uh, one of the topics that has risen to the top, and rightly so, is this issue of racism. So over the last few weeks, I've been inviting black pastor friends of mine uh, to talk and to dialogue. You guys are on this show. It's just like, hey, let's sit at the table with these guys and listen to them talk. And We've had five interviews so far, and they've all been very different, but also at the same time have shared very similar uh, threads uh, in understanding what the world looks like from, uh, in this case, five black pastors. What, what does it sound like to them? What does it look like to them? How have they raised their children? Um, what have they taught their children uh, how to behave and I'm thinking with the men out of the five men, one of them is in an interracial marriage uh, as he married a white woman. And so that brings with it its own challenges. And and each one of them, different parts of the country, uh, different age groups, uh, been very beneficial, very encouraging. I have certainly learned a lot. And if you missed yesterday, uh, yesterday was a special treat with our own pastor, Avant Ramsey, as he was sharing some personal experiences just from our morning staff meeting as we're tackling the topic of racism through uh, person, like discipleship. We stopped our regular discipleship through spiritual leadership, and we began a book called The Third Option by Miles, Pastor Miles McPherson. And just let's, let's talk about the... Uh, and one of the questions is Pastor Keegan... 
uh, was the first one to lead. All the staff pastors are, all of us are, actually, I'm not participating. I'm just, I'm not leading. I'm just participating in this particular discipleship, which is, which is a great treat. And the men that serve alongside of me are taking the opportunity to lead. They are, uh, you know, the question that was asked yesterday, this was a pretty direct question to a group of, of men and women that serve at a church. Are you a racist? That was a question that we had to tackle yesterday, personally. Not, not looking across the room and accusing anybody, but simply letting the question be asked and talking about it in our own lives, from our own perspective. Powerful, but also painful for men like Avan. And he shared that yesterday. You've got to listen. I don't think we posted it yet, but you got to listen. We're up on a break. Ed Taylor, Calvary Live. Be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to the second half of today's program. My name is Ed Taylor. You're listening live. Shout out to everyone in Hope FM, uh, Truth FM Radio Networks, of course, here on the Grace FM Radio Network and countless other low-power FM stations around the country. And of course, we have our online family listening around the world. Welcome back. Uh, we don't have any guests today. I know you have been listening in, and there have been guests each of the last three weeks. I did have one lined up today, Pastor Ray Dash, a friend of mine from the Rock Church in Newark, New Jersey, a very um, vibrant inner-city Newark church. And uh, Ruthie and Ray have been very good friends of ours for many years now. So we met in, I'm not sure if we met in New Jersey in an outreach or at a conference, but I'm grateful that we did. I, I remember first being introduced to Ray at a conference. He was on the stage. I didn't know him then, but they were interviewing him. And my heart was knit together with his, just his ministry. Um, and we ended up becoming good friends. We've spent a lot of time. He's come out and teach from top. He's come out to teach for me. Uh, we've been able to hang out with him and Ruthie and my wife, Marie, and I love that brother. I uh, wasn't able to be on the program today. He's got an important meeting, but maybe another time. We're not going to be uh, just, we're not going to just dismiss this whole thing. It's standing up for what's right and what's true and what's just is the church's responsibility. And uh, we're going to, we're going to lead. Um, that That's what God's, uh, one of the brothers, one of our pastors yesterday uh, gave a great insight in our conversation about the church. It's like somehow, somewhere, the church became this stabilizing force in the culture, and it never was intended to be a stabilizing force in a culture. It was intended to disrupt the culture, and that's exactly what happened with the church. The church disrupted the culture in the book of Acts, so much so that they were accused of turning the world upside down, because that's the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is it changes lives. And then when we were talking about that, I immediately thought, I immediately thought that uh, about when the gospel came to Ephesus and all of the idol worshipers and witches uh, burned their magician witchcraft books. Huh. I mean, come on now. That's a talk about disruption. But somewhere along the way, the church became docile and, and become, and quite frankly, uh, and you may disagree. I'd love to hear me talk to me if you disagree, but I'm going to make this statement. The church's mission has been co-opted 
by many other submissions and and it's diluted the gospel. And I don't just mean teaching from the pulpit. I mean across the board, the discipleship of God's church to bring the gospel radically into people's lives with lives of integrity and deep character. And of course, we know sin has wrecked all that. There's a, Before we get back to the phone lines, we got a couple open lines, so we're taking your calls on any subject today. So whatever you'd like. It's been a while since I've uh, had it open for any subject, so call me, no problem. And then pray that I can schedule up Ray, Pastor Ray Dash, to be with us soon enough. Um, but uh, um, I got a text that says, uh, has your opinion changed on whether we are under judgment specifically in America based on everything that's happened and totally in its totality, especially in media like Facebook and and so I said, I'm going to answer this on the air, but I also text back during the break. And um, and I, I do not believe we are living under the judgment of God currently, uh, globally upon our country. I don't think we're experiencing the judgment of God, uh, the wrath of God. I do believe people are living out the consequences of their sins. I do believe that favor has been removed in some different areas, similar to similar to Samson, where Samson lived a, a rebellious, a wicked life, but all the way until the end, God was with him. And uh, the Holy Spirit was removed, but Samson didn't even know it. Um, and so I do think that there are elements of judgment because the reality of us living out the consequences of our sin, I mean, but I think what we're experiencing right now is God's mercy, because uh, this is not as bad as it could get, and this is not as bad as judgments describe. So the follow-up question, which is great, is, uh, well, then probably we won't see the full judgment until after the rapture. Not necessarily. There is good indication, or at least speculation, let me say, uh, that because United States of America is not mentioned in all the prophetic uh, instances toward the end, that A, uh, judgment falls upon the United States of America uh, as a country, and we suffer the consequences of that. Or B, the rapture of the church begins the uh, full judgment of God. Obviously, we know that with the Great Tribulation period, but in specific uh, with the U.S. But I think we're living in mercy. I don't think it's as bad as it could be uh, from God's from a perspective of God's judgment and withholding his favor from our country. Uh, I think it could get much worse. And we just keep killing babies in the womb. Uh, we just keep... Um, finding ourselves involved in things that have nothing to do with the gospel, um, the highest level of pornography consumption is, um, is among believers. There's an equal pornography uh, consumption between men and women now, uh, and there's idolatry. We're still serving. I was listening to Pastor Chuck Smith on my way into the office yesterday, and and we're still worshiping the same gods that they did in Bible times. We're still worshiping the God of success. We're still worshiping the God of pleasure. We're still worshiping the God of illicit sex. That's our country. We're still trusting in horses. We're still trusting in kings. Uh, We're still trusting in military might. We're still trusting in money. Uh, We're still trusting in government. I mean, whatever the judgment of God is, um, the United States deserves it. And may God show mercy on us. Uh, but I haven't changed my view. The way the question was, I've never declared God under the, the United States under the judgment of God. I've held this view. Um, 
and I haven't changed it, but kind of sad. 303-690-3000. Justin, Colorado Springs, uh, welcome to the program. Yeah, hey, Ed. Um, I uh, One of the, the most revered um, individuals in the Bible under underneath our Lord Jesus Christ, of course, that I want to be aspired by how to live is uh, Enoch, uh, the seventh from Adam. And, you know, uh, when you read Genesis 5 and, you know, he says, uh, for he was not, for God took him. And then you go all the way to Jude 14, uh, where he's, you know, when Jude says that he will, you know, talk about, um, you know, the Lord will execute judgment on on, uh, the unholy um, people. And, you know, is there some correlation between, you know, walking in peace with God and knowing Him on the deepest level that you can, and also, you know, preaching the truth to unbelievers where, you know, God was so pleased with him that he just had a personal rapture in the heaven. Yeah. Is there, yeah. is there some kind of balance there, or do we just walk with, walk with the Lord the best we can, and just, uh, you know, when the opportunity presents itself, we, we just um, preach the gospel to the um, ungodly people that need to hear it. Well, I think there is a correlation. There's quite a few correlations in in your observations that you're making in uh, relationship to our proximity or our closeness to God. And the closer we are, what Jesus would say, as we abide, that's the closest we can be to Jesus Christ, is to be in him. And he promises then, as we abide in him, he abides in us. And there is a, uh, that word abiding has a lot of meanings, but it also speaks of a intimacy, a closeness. And when you come to Enoch and you start to look at his life, he adds some insight of what it looks like to follow God. And one of those insights is this phrase, walking with God, that he walked with God. Um, you know, that phrase, walking with God, is powerful because when you walk with God, um, there's the, it, it speaks of your lifestyle. You know, if you're walking with the world, then you're living for and in and with the world. If you're if you're walking with God, you're living for and with uh, God. And you know, over and over again, that's a great passage to look up, Justin, and study each time that phrase "walk." Uh, it doesn't just imply, you know, it just doesn't speak of somebody walking physically, but the spiritual meaning of it has everything to do with a manner of life. Um, a manner of life, whether you're walking in the Spirit, walking in the newness of life, walking by faith, walking in love, um, walking um, in white. You know, that, that phrase is used many, many times to describe the different aspects that you and I can have in relationship with God. And, and so in our relationship to others, you know, you ask the question in the right order because they came to Jesus with a similar question. In asking him, what's the most important commandment? And he responds, you know, it's all summed up here. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's that's your vertical responsibility. That's first and foremost. That would reflect Enoch's relationship, walking with God, closeness. And then love your neighbor. That's our horizontal relationship. And, and you know, love your neighbor as yourself. It's love God first, love neighbor. And... And, and as you're abiding in Christ, the good news is, is that you are being led by God. 
he is leading you and guiding you and you're going to say what he wants you to say. You're going to say it to who he wants you to say it. And your life and your words will reflect where you're walking. Like, for example, we were talking about some sinful things. Let's say, let's say, let's not even go as far as pornography. Let's just say uh, somebody walks out of a movie that had nudity and bad scenes in it, and they, they walk out of the movie theater. Do, the, do you think that person that walks out of a movie like that is going to be more prone or less prone to talk about the things of God? What do you think? Less. Why? Because they are the 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 carnal things in that movie right. arouses their flesh, and if your flesh is aroused, you're going to grow less in the spirit. I couldn't say it better. I think that's a great that's a great description. You you we're going to reflect. It's kind of like we're we're the moon, right? Uh, we don't have light in and of ourselves. We're going to reflect, uh, and we're, we're what we are going to shine in the light, as we're the salt and the light, is going to come from the reflection of our lives. And and if if that person walking out of church had, just had a Bible study, had a great, like last night, we had a worship night, so we're singing, we leave encouraged, uh, it was a beautiful, glorious night, uh, we're going to be more prone to talk about the things of God walking out of that than we would that movie. And And it's not whether the building is right or the movie is right, it's just simply where we are who we're walking with, where we're walking, is going to have a direct, absolute direct um, consequence or benefit to our immediate life, you know, and to the people around us. And, you know, we're not even needing to worry about who do I share with. A person that's abiding in Christ is worrying about who do I not share with um, because you're so excited to share the love of God. Yeah, I mean, that that makes total sense that I just wanted to know. It's just... You know, when you think of Enoch and like, you know, you could just think like, what was God thinking with Enoch? Like, I am so pleased with you and how much you love. You know what? Yeah. Let's just go. Let's just go home right now. You know, and yeah. it's just a wonderful uh, thought when how Enoch walked, because then the, I, I use that as my role model. Like, you know, this is this is how I need to approach the Lord and, and the world um, in, in the right ways. And uh, just just hate sin, abhor it, love love what is good and and holy and and uh, I, I I just uh, you know, I just wanted your two cents. You're a good pastor. I like you, and just wanted to see what your opinion was on that. So, well, thank you. It's a great question. I think it's good for people listening because it it really does reflect. We kind of we kind of focus on our behavior, and even in my illustration, my behavior in church in movie theater, but it really isn't the behavior. It's where you choose to spend your time, where you choose to invest your mind and your thinking. And if anybody thinks that that doesn't affect them, then they're just not paying attention to reality. Right. Okay, Ed, I know you got another call, so thank you, brother. Thanks, Justin. Bye-bye. Hey, let's jump over to Longmont. Kat's calling from Longmont. Welcome to the program, Kat. Hi. I have a question about suicide. Okay. It's been on my mind lately. Um, my fiance passed away in '97 due to su- suicide, but we had okay. dedicated our lives in October. Okay. And I believe he's with Jesus, but they tell me different because it's written in the Bible, which they can't give me a verse. 
So I'm just curious about that. Well, I'm grateful to tell you that the Bible doesn't speak of the last action a person takes in their life as the way that they're judged. And that's a that's good news, whether it's... Well, first of all, let me say I'm sorry uh, for losing your fiancé to suicide. It's It's not only painful with the death, but it's painful with everything that comes with suicide. That's a hard road that you're on, and I'm sorry. And then on top of that, as you begin to think through the 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 eternal consequences of of his decision um suicide is certainly nothing never to be considered or done um, um we could define suicide as self murder and we know that god prohibits murder we know that uh, and so what um your fiance chose to do was not god's will or heart for him um he he got to a place in his life where he made the the judgment that he couldn't live anymore, didn't want to live anymore. And, you know, many times a person that is suicidal isn't thinking straight. They're not in their right mind. And suicide, for those of you listening in right now uh, that might be wrestling with these thoughts yourself, is never, listen, never the solution. It's never the solution. And so back to the direct question, the the Bible doesn't hold us accountable for the last act that we so whether it be suicide or imagine uh, the horrific, um, you know, a horrific car crash, but right before that car crash, the person driving had an argument with their friend and said really mean, sinful things. Well, God isn't going to judge them for their last sinful thoughts because for a believer that's born again, the Holy Spirit has forgiven them. God has forgiven them of their sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. And by faith, they have received eternal life eternal life and eternal means forever and i'm I, here's a scripture i want you to hold on to uh, my battery is down to eight percent so let's see if it's going to last through the rest of the program here i'm going to try to make it last but i'm going to give you a, a scripture to to hold on to okay i know okay. people haven't been able to give you a scripture to support their view and you know i i want i wish those folks would stop um, trying to be, um, you know, accurate theologians to a hurting woman because they're not even accurate. Neither are they theologians, and they're just hurting you even more. So let me give you a scripture to hold on to, okay? And then I'm going to ask you a question. You ready? Yeah. It's Romans chapter eight, and I want you to start reading. Um, we'll start at um, thirty-seven. But really, you could read from 31 all the way to the end of the chapter. But here's what Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels or principalities, power, uh, angels or principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And if your fiance, what's his name? His name is Mike. So I'm going to ask you a question about Mike, and I, I'm going to ask you to answer it to me, okay? Okay. Did, is it possible for Mike 
to separate himself from the love of God? No, because he loved Jesus. That's where his heart was towards the end. So then I want you to prove it to me. I want you to tell me a scripture that proves to me that Mike couldn't separate himself from the love of God. Can you do that? No, because I'm a new beginner. So okay, that's I'm okay. It was a, that was a trick question, so I'm going to give you the answer. You do have a scripture because I just shared it with you in Romans chapter 8, verses 37, 38, and 39, where it says nobody and nothing can separate a born-again believer from the love of God. So if anybody mm-hmm. ever drops that nonsense on you, anybody tells you those mean-spirited things, you tell them Mike was a born-again believer and not even Mike could separate himself from the love of God, and they'll say, if they're not nice, they'll say, well, prove it to me then, Cat, Prove it to me. And then you're going to either memorize this verse or you're going to take out a piece of paper or you're going to mark it in your Bible and you're going to open up and you're going to share this verse with them and then you'll say, I don't want to talk about it anymore because this this is true, that God's blood was enough to forgive my fiancé even though he had some troubles in his last moments and he couldn't think he could live anymore. Nothing and no one can separate him from the love of God. And that settles it. Yes, very true. I'm sorry. You've, it's okay. You have the truth of God's Word now that can anchor you to the love and the mercy and the care that God has for you. Um, you know, I, we have somebody close to us here in the church whose dad committed suicide uh, not many months ago, and it's a devastating way. Um, it, everybody that's left behind is just devastated. Let's put it that way. And it's a horrible thing to endure, and, it, and it's challenging. And, and at the same time, our hearts are compassionate toward the person that did choose that because we just know um, it was out of character. We know that um, they were they got into a place of deep dark darkness and hopelessness, and we definitely wish they wouldn't have done what they did, but but they did, and so now we're learning to grieve and to mourn our loss and to live our life to honor God. Yes. Can I pray for you? Yes, please. Father, I pray for my sister Kat as she just has to deal with um, difficult people and difficult things and and people's opinions. And and I know this is a debated thing in the church today, And but, but I believe in the, the pure, um, simple reading of the Bible. And, and I know that it's not your desire for us to sin in any way. And it's never your desire for us to commit suicide, ever. But that's why you sent Jesus to die for us, so that we would live in the newness of life. And so I pray for Kat. She's still alive. So give her strength, comfort her, and help her to carry on, not only in her own personal life, but also the memory of Mike and the legacy of Mike, so that maybe... God, I just feel like in my prayer right now that you want Kat to know that you're going to use her to help other people not commit suicide. Like that's going to be a part of her life. And I just pray that into her right now, that as you're strengthening her and helping her, that she's going to be a a sister and a daughter in the kingdom of God to help people process those thoughts so that they live and they don't die. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Thank I, you. I think I think the Lord just gave you a ministry, Kat. I think the Lord was speaking to you. Yes, he has been lately. A lot wow. lately. It's helped me so much. <sighs> well, thanks for calling, and I'm sorry I did a little trick with you, but I wanted it to stick with you. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. All righty. Bye-bye. Romans chapter 8, verses 37, 38, and 39. Okay, so my computer's about ready to to, um, disappear, so I'm going to see this call screen. I probably won't see it in a second. Uh, Jackie in Denver, uh, we're going to take your call. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Right. I'm a little tired, a little exhausted, but I'm doing well. Right, right. almost Friday. <laughs> almost, yeah. 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 What can so I do I for you? A, yeah, I just had a quick question. So um, I was raised Catholic, and yes. um, over the last couple of years, I've really dug into my Bible, and what yeah. I learned when I was smaller doesn't really um, speak to me so much. You know, when I open my Bible, when I read it, I've been listening to Grace FM, and I've gone to Calvary Aurora a couple times. Um, And now every time I go to my parents' house, it's been a really hot topic because my mom is still a strong believer in, you know, what the Catholic Church teaches and all that. And um, I feel like my sisters and my dad and my mom, they're always kind of like asking me questions and looking to me um, whenever they're having like a hard time with something just to kind of, not really conflict, but you know, it doesn't really go hand in hand. Um, and my sisters recently agreed to do Bible study with me on Fridays. So I just wanted to ask you, what are good Bible verses that I can share with my family to show them that, um, you know, believing in Christ is by faith, you know, you don't win salvation with works because my family thinks, you know, confirmation, baptism, all that stuff is things that lead you to heaven. Um, and they're always kind of like asking me, we have 10 um, grandkids in our family, so my mom wow. pushes my sisters to baptize them, yes. and my sisters call me, and they're like, do we have to do it? Um, and I just was seeking some wisdom, <laughs> some okay. verses to be able to share with them. So so let's do a couple things. Um, number one, email me, and I will send you a packet that you can print out for you and your sister that'll help this Friday study you guys are doing together. Um, it's It's very simple. Uh, it is, it's not to prove anything, anyone right or wrong. It's just to walk you through the basic principles of what the Bible teaches about Jesus. And, and it'll, it'll help kind of help your dialogue with your sister. So you can email me and just remind me of the phone call and I'll send you a link where you can download and print that out. Uh, Secondly, you have to buy this book right away. So go on Amazon and get it right away. Um, because it, it is going to give you the full package of how to serve your family in a way that doesn't offend them and really gets them to listen to you. And that's it's a book called Reasoning from the Scriptures with Catholics. Reasoning from the Scriptures with Catholics. And the author is Ron Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S. And... Okay. You'll read right in the first chapter. He loves Catholics. He has Catholics in his family. Uh, it is not a book designed to hurt them, but to teach you how to ask open-ended questions that make your family think. And and then finally, you want some scriptures. Um, do what and do do what my wife did. My wife, um, being Mexican from a all Mexican Catholic family, 
Um, people thought that we were in a cult, uh, couldn't believe that, you know, we're going to church now and, and all of that. So she faced all of that in her family. And she, as she was talking to her mom, she would say, mom, show me, get your Catholic Bible out and let me show you in your own Bible. And that's a powerful thing. Uh, so if you can get them to say, hey, I want you to see this in your Bible, mm-hmm. um, because their Bible contradicts what their theology teaches. And okay. the first verse I'd show them is this one, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. And we're almost out of time, so I'll read it to you. Ephesians okay. chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And then listen to what it says, not of works. I mean, it, okay. it's one of the clearest passages. Now, I know Roman Catholics have a lot of ways to get around what the Bible clearly says, but your question's so big that you're going to have to be patient with your family because it's going to take some time to convince them to trust the Bible more than they trust Roman Catholicism. And that's really the issue. Um, because Roman Catholicism values tradition above the Bible. So if you ever show them something from the Bible, they'll just throw tradition at you or make one up. The Pope will just make one up. And, and so Ephesians chapter two, eight, nine, uh, and 10. So email me and I'll send you some stuff that you can do with your sister. Okay. Okay. I will. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jackie. Bye-bye. Hey, that's the end of the show. Uh, so great to uh, be with you. We're in in in-person services. Go to calvaryco.church. We want to see you in church this weekend. Limited space, CDC guidelines, but we're worshiping in person, and it's awesome. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.